music. It's, it's real hip hop music. Come on, come on. One, two, one, two. Once again, it's another episode of Major Journalism. I am your host, David Trump Dig Shanks. Another episode. Uh, the, the beautiful thing about sort of the pivot that I took in this um, show, this podcast, after like the first or second episode, trying to get this podcast up and running and reaching out to folks and wanting to do all of these cool interviews and all of these interesting people. And, um, you know, like most of you know, who may be getting into the journalism field or the broadcasting podcasting field, it's hard sometimes when you're just getting started to, to attract a certain guest that you want to kind of elevate the conversation. Not that you're chasing celebrities or anything like that, but just individuals you want to bring in to have, um, different discussions and, you know, just to be able to build with the audience and, and, and bring interesting topics. So in that struggle, I guess I would say something came to me and told me, Hey man, you have a pool of like genius all around you start to tap in. I started to pay more attention to my, uh, IG feed and, and, and some of my friends. And, you know, now I got guys who are who are in fintech and, and, and entrepreneurs and and you know domestic violence advocates and all kinds of amazing people just in my circle in my pool that I've been blessed to be around and so with that today I have another one of my homies who is doing some major things in the education field um I don't know how many of you know this, but I'm like a quasi intellectual, like, you know, to be on the low, low. <laughs> um, so I started tapping in with uh, hip hop ed and that movement. And um, another one of my bros, uh, Dr. Chris Emden, that I, you know, will hopefully get on a, a future episode. And in tapping in with Dr. Edmund and getting in with the hip hop ed crew on tuesdays i started seeing my homie shauna on the ig feeds and in, in, in the twitter space and i'm like oh that's my dog and so <laughs> i started tapping in with her and she's got this movement called teach for the culture i'm wearing one of the shirts that she she blessed me with so i, I said i gotta grab you so i told you that like last year i just yeah. had to get i just had to get my stuff together i say yo we gotta have a conversation because you know i just love what i'm seeing from the movement and i wanted to just bring a conversation around um education and particularly education for you know our youth and just do a deep dive so I have Shauna Brown, educator, TU alum, That's right. and um, founder of Teach for the Culture. Shauna, what's good, man? That's right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, thanks for having me. You know, as soon as you reached out um, last year, I was like, yo, I'm in. <laughs> I know we, we go back to, what, 94? 94. Um, and I've just, just been amazed to see to see what you've done over the years as well. And so when, when you reached out, I said, I, I have to do it. I have to be here. It's an honor for me. I'm humbled to, to be invited. So, yep, I am um, here. As you said, founder of Teach for the Culture. Um, I started the movement about almost four years ago now. Um, and it's grown to, you know, global scale. Um, it, it's, it's a movement as well as a brand. Um, I've been in education for a long time. Um, and it's just, you know, it, it's, a, it's a passion project as well as a business. And so I am enjoying it. I love that. So, Tell me, catch me up real quick, catch our audience up, but catch me up real quick on post-Temple to now, specifically in the education field. You don't got to tell me all your business. I'm saying as an educator, catch me up from leaving Temple to now. Yeah, so I left Temple. I went out to um, Columbia University. Nice. I got my master's in urban education. Um, from there, I, you know, I, I taught in Brooklyn for a little bit, and then I, I went so. to Connecticut. Yep. So I've, I've taught in Connecticut. Um, in addition to teaching, classroom teaching, I've been, you know, a coordinator for the district level. Um, I've worked on the state level with um, the government 
and as well as been a um, school administrator and school leader. And so, you know, I've done all these things um, within education. All of it has like really, really, really dope experiences. Um, always at the center has always been like equity and justice and just making sure that we're doing everything possible to give our youth the best educational experience possible. Um, that's always been kind of, you know, at my core and at my center. Um, and now I have left the public school system and this is my first year going full time as an entrepreneur. So I've been both educator and entrepreneur in the space. Um, but, you know, around some of the same issues, equity, um, social justice, and just making sure that um, we're, you know, catapulting the, the youth into the future and preparing them um, to do whatever they want to do in life. Okay, so, so that, that's amazing. I didn't know you left the classroom. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations. So this is perfect because you've been in administration, you've been in the classroom, and now you're on the advocacy side. So I love I love that you've seen every aspect of it, and it's perfect for kind of the conversation that I wanted to have because, you know, I, like I said, in my mind, I'm a teacher. <laughs> and um, you know, I I I, I do it through reps, but that's right. I want to know, okay, what? And I have my own ideas and thoughts, but let's say four years ago, in starting Teach for the Culture, and then four years later kind of leaving the classroom and going full throttle with this take me through that journey what um inspired the organization the movement the brand and where was the uh where did the sense of urgency lie in in, in going full full time with it Ooh. Because I know you're not just selling T-shirts. No, not at all. And I, I love that. I love this question, actually. Um, so I started when I started out in 2018. This was before I even started like selling T-shirts, period. It was just about um, building community around something that I love. And so connecting with others from, you know, from everywhere, um, from other educators or with people who and, and, and I consider an educator not to just be educators who work in schools but all educators, right? All of us, the, the whole village. And mm -hmm. so um, just building community around that, building community around advocating for youth, um, building community around, you know, different pedagogies. Um, you mentioned hip hop ed. That was a big influence also in my starting Teach for the Culture. Um, and just really wanting to, to come together and share resources. Um, in a lot of schools, um, you know, across the nation, um, black, indigenous, and brown people are really the minority in the teaching force. 80% of the teaching field is white women. So 80% right. of all teachers are white women. 4%, right. um, 5% are um, black women, and then 2% mm. black males, right? Wow. For Latino, it's about 6% um, and 8%. And then for indigenous, it's less than 2% of the wow. teachers nationwide. Wow. And so in many of the schools, you know, um, people of color are people of color who are educators are also the minority on the teaching staff in some place, in many places, you know, um, in, in most of the major cities, it's a little bit more diverse. But as you move out, it's it's you know, there's maybe one or two in each school, sometimes none at all. And so I really wanted to build community around that, too, with, um, you know, educators who understood um, kind of the, the culture and the background of, of our children, our youth, and who were committed to uplifting and serving um, without bias and just really with love and wanting the best for our children. So I started out again, you know, back in 2018, building community around that. In 2019, I decided to um, come out with the first t-shirt, which was a teach for the culture. Again, I just wanted that to be like um, a, a way to kind of, you know, unify us around this movement um, for people to, um, you know, it was also like a call to action. So Teach for the right. Culture was not just a brand, but it's like, no, nah, Teach for the Culture, a right. call to action. And so when you show up with that, you know, you're carrying something bigger than you. It's not just mm -hmm. about um, the job. It's not just about where you are in that moment. It's about 
you know, community. It's about connecting the past, present, and catapulting us into the future. Um, and really just about, um, you know, love and liberation. It's, it's about reaching the youth through their culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say in 2020, so that was 2019, I started the shirts. And then in 2020, I began expanding the designs on some of the t-shirts. Um, we went into, you know, COVID happened in March of 2020. Um, and by April and then May, when, um, you know, the George Floyd situation happened and there was like a new kind of awakening, I'd say, um, for people who were not already, you know, vested in making sure we're teaching um, equitable and, and focusing on justice. Right. Um, and so that just, that new interest, more people started to kind of come on, jump on board um, and, and become more committed to, to justice and education. And so, and that's when, you know, and, and all along I had always, you know, been speaking my truth. That's kind of my, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's no, kind no. of my thing. Like I just, it, it, it was no filter really. It was just about, okay, this is, you know, this is what it is. This is what we have to get through. This is what I'm fighting for. This is what I'm pushing for. And I just continued to speak my truth and more and more people started to kind of come on board and, um, you know, and share their truths as well. And so that's, that's where the movement's been. Mm, that's amazing. So as a um, educator, administrator, well, let's go there because I'm interested to um, know kind of the challenges that teachers face with the administration, with the bureaucracy of the education system and sort of the differences between um, being in the classroom and being someone in the classroom who 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 is passionate about what they want to do and is passionate about the children in the classroom and that struggle with administration and then becoming part of the administration. And I guess I can imagine wanting to kind of do some work in the system to affect change in the classroom and probably hitting a wall and realizing that you're alone efforts probably were not enough to cause any real change and then maybe deciding to step outside of the system and kind of work not against it but work with the actual educators from the outside in like i'm very interested in that transition so let's start as a young educator um, with all the excitement all the passion in the world ready to jump in the classroom and and pour into these young folks and what were the first kind of signs of okay there's more to this than just teaching yeah so so for me it actually started as a teenager like before I before I went to college, before I went to Temple, before I enrolled in any um, education program, like official program, is something that's always been a part of me. Like I've mm-hmm. known I wanted to go into education since I was three years old, and wow. I did. I, I started my first business at age twelve, a babysitting business. I taught like church school at age sixteen, um, and so it's always been a part of me. The advocacy side has always been a part of me as well. Um, as a high school student at age 16, um, I led um, a, a walkout, basically, because of some of the disparate treatment that students of color were facing, as opposed to the white students, we were being more heavily surveilled. We were, um, you know, they would put a lot of the um, black students in like the lower level classes and have the white students in like the honors and advanced levels. It was like, a, you know, disparate treatment in that um, with counselors guidance counselors. And so at age 16, I was like, nope, we're not having this. Let a whole walk out. And then I did my first, like, and they listened and they listened. The other part was we didn't, you know, we weren't being reflected in the curriculum. And so as a result of that whole thing, 
Um, we got an African-American history class. We got an African-American literature class. Um, teachers went through diversity training. I was able to actually, you know, lead one of the sessions for teachers as a 16-year-old student. And that was the first time, like, I remember telling my story as a student and seeing some of the teachers cry. And I was like, oh, that was the first time to me. I was like, oh, they're human. Like, <laughs> you actually do care about this. Wow, wow. So I was at 16. So, so it's always been something that's been a part of me. It's always been bigger than any job or any degree or anything else like that. It's just been something that's in me. And so mm -hmm. when I came into teaching, um, you know, I, I, I did my student teaching in Philly. I taught in Brooklyn and then um, Hartford. I didn't see as many of the issues um, in terms of disparities within students because most of the students were all African-American or West Indian, all black. Mm -hmm. And then when I started working for the magnet school system and um, other systems and I started working on the state level, I started seeing it across the state and in different schools where there were diverse bodies of students. And so it kicked right back and I was like, nope, this, this is what I'm fighting for. This is what I'm going for. Always had the energy. Um, as a classroom teacher, um, I was never a teacher that came in like kind of afraid to speak truth or afraid to deviate from the curriculum. Mm -hmm. I'm always like, nah, I'm going to give them what they need. So we're going to go above and beyond. Like to me, the, the curriculum was just a baseline. Right. And it was like, I'm going to go above and beyond that to pour into them and also teach life skills and also do things that are for the culture, like things that bring students to like just alive. Right. Mm, and and, and mm. joy was always at the center of that. Mm, and um, joy. these are, you know, yeah, that's one of my quotes says joy and learning must coexist. And I, I live that. I've always believed that. And it's always been a part of what I do. Um, as an administrator, I started seeing that um, I think that the, as you go up in levels throughout the educational system, I started mm. seeing more and more of the issues that I didn't even see when I was a classroom teacher. Gotcha. Or I saw it from a different gotcha. level, a different perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also saw that when you intentionally, you know, call those things out and try to work to change, I saw pushback against that also. So I saw that, okay, this is not just um, people not knowing what to do. It's actually pushing back against what should be done. Mm. And it's the system kind of, working the, the way it's supposed to yes, work. Yes. Yeah. You're screaming is broken, and they're screaming, "No, no, it's not." That's yeah. right. And just yeah. like going yeah. along as if it as if it's nothing. And so, again, um, as administrator too, like I, I was never, I've always just been myself in whatever space I occupy within education, within the educational space. So I'm always going to speak my truth. And so was never really afraid of, oh my gosh, I have to, you know, pretend to be someone else or not speak truth. No, like this is what I'm here for. This is part of my life mission. And I'm going to speak my truth and say what needs to be done, do what needs to be done, connect with my students, my families, and, um, you know, just continue on fighting for, for them to have the best educational experience possible. Mm, and so I, I did see, you know, I also have a, a son who um me being an educator having gone through the system and now watching him through the system i'm able to advocate from that side and i'm also right. able to advocate through um my work with teach for the culture and training and consulting with with school districts etc mm -hmm. so oh i i have so many directions i want to go in and i'm trying to like be linear um Give me some of the uh, some of the tenets, some of the um, pillars of of your platform. You said um, joy and learning must go hand in hand. So you know, I don't know if you have a mission statement, uh, but give me some of the pillars of teach for the culture. If I was gonna rock this shirt, like you said, teach for the culture. But but if I'm gonna rock this shirt, if I'm gonna claim to be an ally, what what should I be be looking to do, especially as an educator? And well, like first, you said, it we're, is, all, we're all educators in the village. That's but, right. Yeah. That's right. So as you said, like one of my um, kind of taglines or quotes is joy and learning must coexist. Um, I believe that when you're able to center joy in the work, you're able to work with people as humans and not just like, you know, students coming through, not just worksheets, not just the curriculum, but actual humans where you touch their spirit, not just, you know, 
handing in work and, and getting grades. It's like bigger than that. It's like having them actually connect and feel that sense of joy and be seen as humans oh, in the work and not just numbers, not just data points, not just people that are just producing work for you to put grades in the grade book. So that's one. My other is is love and liberation, right? That's another, it's a, it's a t-shirt, but it's also one of my um, main tenets that I, I kind of center. Um, with the system as how it's set up, it's, it's not... Um, Again, it doesn't really humanize educators or students. Um, and I believe when love is part of the mission, again, it humanizes the process and not just treat, treat us like, you know, robots. And so mm-hmm. the system in a lot of places is built on hate within systemic racism. And so love is kind of the opposite of that, right? Um, and then, you know, liberation to me, that's it's moving towards freedom. Um, and when I say freedom, it's freedom from the oppressive systems, right? Like right now within um, the educational system, um, black students are over-policed, whereas um, over-represented in suspensions, we're over-represented in identification for special education wrongly. Like if you need special education, that's a different thing. Um, we are underrepresented in gifted and talented programs. We're underrepresented in, um, you know, advanced placement programs and things like that. And so liberation to me is being free from that, right? It's being free to be able to develop, for students to be able to develop into their full potential and get the best experience possible, not just experience tied to, you know, their zip code where they're getting an, a lower quality education or where they're only lucky to get in certain schools, like for every student, we should be free to the best educational experience possible and free from um, some of the, the more negative things that happen, unfortunately, to black and brown students within the system. And it's systemic. Again, it's, it's nationwide. Um, the data is all there, and that needs to change. Okay, so love, liberation, and freedom, right? Within a system that systemically deprives black people, melanated people, people of color, poor people of those three things. The system's literally set up for that. I have had uh, many conversations with my old podcast um, partner, Professor Mickey Hess, who um, teaches at Ryder, uh, around my theory, my belief that at least from pre-K to sixth grade, our community should be educating our children outside of the system. Mm-hmm. Um, so my freedom looks a little less like changing the system and more like coming out of the system. Mm-hmm. I want to tie that in with um, COVID and the homeschooling um, catastrophe, <laughs> for lack of a better word, um, the disparities that came up around um, digital, mm-hmm. what do you want to call it, access, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, and how disproportionate some of our children, especially those in lower income communities, were kind of out, you know, just unable to learn for almost an entire year. And what that means moving forward now that we're kind of back in the schools, but we have this thing that's been exposed we got the CRT stuff going, all the things that have surfaced mm-hmm. in the last, you know, election cycle, say. Yep. Piggybacking on love, freedom, and liberty for our children. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on how we should be educating our children, where we should be educating our children? Um, I know this is a lot. But we'll break it down. Yeah. Homeschooling versus trying to change the system. Just give me 
let's let's talk about that. Yeah, let's well, first, in there. when you said like educating outside of the system, that that to me that's a must. Mm. Like the system is not, especially if you're, um, you know, I connect a lot to the tenets of hip hop as well. So especially if you're looking at knowledge of self, you're not going to get that in the school or the way right. the way it's set up right now. That has to like come from home. Like first, that that's the your your parents, your um guardians, your your the people who raised you. That's that's the first teachers. And so I believe a lot of the education has to has to happen outside of the school system because the school system is not really set up to um for many children to thrive. Like if you're rich, maybe. Mm-hmm. If if the curriculum you know, has always reflected you and your people and always, you know, shows you as the, um, has you in the center, maybe. But for mm-hmm. a lot of black and brown children, people, um, children from income suppressed communities, that's, it's not happening. And it has mm-hmm. to, has to, has to like, you know, the village has to be a part of that, has to be the first part and then continue on K to six and then even beyond that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and and as you mentioned, COVID, a lot of the disparities that um, many people were already talking about and and trying to address just became more amplified during that time, especially during 2020. But it's the stuff that some people have been talking about for years, years and years and years. It just became amplified. Um, And so, yeah, unfortunately, as you know, in many places, especially in some of the rural places. Like I know in Florida, there were, um, I think they said at one time it was like 10,000 students just, just gone missing. Wow. Like no communication, nothing. Um, there are other school systems though that already had like the connection to technology or one-to-one devices. So they were mm-hmm. more easily able to kind of get back on and continue on with the learning. But even still, there were some um, just, you know, disconnects and and less time spent um, with, you know, students connected to schools and teachers. Um, As an administrator during that time, I also saw, though, that the students who kind of just went missing weren't really connected to school in the first. They were just coming because they had to. They weren't really, really connected. Mm -hmm. But the ones who were already, like, tapped in and connected and felt connected to the school, those are the ones that kind of continued to, you know, through Zoom and however else they, you know, remain connected for I'm the curious, most part. I'm curious if that experience, because now I'm doing, you know, time in my head and math in my head um, in the timetable. I wonder if that experience during 2020 was like the straw that broke the camel's back for I would you. Say. Like if that was the, <laughs> that was the last straw yep. of, yeah, yeah, yep. I, could, I could imagine. And it was also, I think for schools, it showed like um, what's really important. Like all the time spent from a lot of um, school officials, like, you know, policing your uniform or the the technology or or other things. At the end of the day, were those things really important? Like when when there was nothing else except you trying to call parents and students and trying to connect them and get them online. What is really important to show that the, the connection was important? Right. And so again, like teach for the culture again for me, it, it's that that human piece. It's the humanizing. It's the connection. It's the community. It's making sure we're prioritizing, you know, joy, um, which is tied to you know the love and the liberation and, and all of that. But and and connecting to their culture and their interests also. Right. That's right. A, another another huge part. So, so the, I guess the the main work so far has been kind of rallying other educators around, you know, the cause, so to speak. What, just shed some light on your interactions with educators, especially those of any color, because I, I see you have advocates mm-hmm. on, on in all shades. Just talk about, I'm curious, both obviously, the, the small majority of us who are in the classrooms or in, in administration, but also some of our, you know, white allies who are teaching in these urban um, centers, these urban environments and just, but want to do the, the right thing. 
talk about um, some of the interactions, some of the feedback that you've you've heard, some of the struggles, um, even some of the victories that you've received from 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 fellow educators. Yeah, so that actually has been, I mean, just people like the random DMs I get at times or the comments or people reaching out saying, you changed my practice. I heard you say this and I did this and it's made a huge difference. You've changed the way I look at things. You've changed the way I think about things. I get those DMs and messages and comments like all the time from people of different age levels, different backgrounds and from different geographic regions. And it's always like, wow. Because sometimes when I'm, when I'm doing it, when I'm saying things, when I'm working with people, I'm not even thinking about like, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't sink in until right. I get those messages at times. Right. Um, but I did see a shift, right, with, with people from certain states, especially when the anti-CRT legislation started coming out, when they started um, saying that, you know, if you teach X, Y, and Z, you could be fined, you could lose your job. Mm -hmm. um, people, some people in certain places started to get like less vocal, I would say, mm -hmm. right? Or, what, or less. What, mm. Oh, mm, well, your job's on the line. What do you, um, what do you make of all of that? Um, it's just, distraction, distraction. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they started to see, you know, momentum in terms of the country moving forward, educators moving forward, more people becoming more aware of you know, the need to not only center, you know, a Euro-centered curriculum and people started becoming more aware of um, just, you know, the disparities that existed within the system, both socioeconomic and, and based on race. And so this was like the pushback. But all mm -hmm. through history, this has happened. Like, it, this has always been kind of the playbook. Um, I think we're seeing it even more now because they can see that the movement is happening. They can see that people are starting to wake up and change and, and move forward. And so this is like a, nope, we're going to try to stop you right here. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, it's um, unfortunate. It's also another reason why I always advocate that um, the learning must happen like outside the classroom in schools. Like nobody's going to legislate me teaching the truth <laughs> in my own household. Right, right. Community right. centers, community organizations, just again, tapping into that village. Like we've always educated each other. We've always held our kids up. We've always been able to do that. And so it, it's just essential that we continue because nobody can legislate what you, you teach your own kids hmm. outside of the school. Hmm. They can try to, you know, schools are governed and they have to follow the policies and the laws and you know legislation but outside of that like that's where we have to keep pushing mm -hmm. and even so within, i guess mm -hmm. go ahead go ahead go ahead you know, i was going to say and even in terms of um the legislators that are are pushing back and, and making all these laws i think it it also calls for educators to be more um savvy and understanding of how that works who these legislators are because these are people that the community votes into office you right. vote them in <laughs> right right and so if they're not representing you know where you stand or, or what you are working for, then they need to be voted out. But we have to ha be savvy enough to understand who they are, who's voting for what, and like really examine and interrogate the system. Indeed. Indeed. So, I mean, hmm. it sounds like, which I don't disagree with. There's like an ultimate kind of like revolutionary approach and stance but there's like uh in and in the meantime kind of approach as well right and so you know sometimes everyone every black parent every brown parent in the country is not just going to pull their child out of school right, right. like we can want that but that's not gonna happen that's people right. are not um they don't understand sort of the concept of homeschooling. They don't have mm -hmm. time. Um, we're not organized enough to really have um, communities of homeschools like we probably should. So there is 
some push that we have to give to the system to kind of implement some things that will help today. That's right. Right. But walk me through your thoughts on, I guess, what. And this is not a wrap up question. Mm-hmm. We're just. 10 years like. Teach for the culture a 10-year plan, if there's some things you're doing in quiet that you don't want to say on the um, airwaves, that's perfectly fine. I understand that we can have that conversation offline. But uh, as much as you can share sort of the goals, um, in my mind, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm like, man, we need to be doing Saturday schools and we need to have Teach for the Culture Saturday schools and different, you know, centers in Detroit and Brooklyn and mm-hmm. Philly and Baltimore, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? My head starts to go. So, you know, what can we do on both of those fronts, you know, revolutionary and kind of advocating working with the system and within the system Mm -hmm. um pinpointing people in the system who are doing the work and making sure they're supported Mm -hmm. while kind of building these revolutionary fronts so that when this thing falls because it's falling we make sure that ours are secure that's right whoo that's a loaded question too, but like absolutely it has to happen from all different angles. Like there's so much work to do on every single level, outside and inside. And mm-hmm. so um in terms You've of taking teaching, yourself outside. So that's why yeah. I'm curious, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So so one of the things I, I, I started um last year and I'm still continuing to build is something called um culture university. And through mm-hmm. Culture of the University, I'm going to be having, and that's, you know, under the umbrella of Teach for the Culture, it's going to be, um, you know, opportunities for for students to engage in some learning, especially some of the learning that they're not getting within the system right now, um, as well as for educators to also kind of take courses and, and things like that as well. Um, mm. I think being, you know, a part of just, just, just being together in, in community is also going to be essential as we move forward. And that's like one person can't do it, right? One city mm-hmm. can't do it. A few people can't do it. It has to be kind of like you said, like coalitions like a- across the country and, a- and across the globe. And people are, people are ready. But I think when, if you think it's just you alone or you and two other people trying to make all these changes and everyone's doing it in their own pockets, the change is going to be slower, mm-hmm. right? But if you're mm-hmm. if you're together in community and there's people on all sides and all fronts doing the work, we have to have like policy level, curriculum level, um, home level, K five, high school, the bridge from high school to you know to post secondary. Like there, there's so much. Um, so again, it just to me, it just it's really that village energy for me, and that's mm-hmm. part of what Teach for the Culture is about. That's how I plan to, you know, continue to move forward and link up with other organizations, link up with other groups, link up with other, because there's a lot of them out there. Um, and just people who are similarly aligned in mission in terms of education and education for our youth and equity, aligning with those people and, um, and just continue to push at, at all levels, outside and inside. So cult- Culture University will be a mostly online platform? Yes, it's going to be mostly online, okay. but I'm, I'm um, looking to do some some in-person um, things as well, at least locally okay. for now, and then, you know, maybe branching out. So I have some things okay. like in the works right now in New York already and then in Connecticut. Um, and so we'll, we'll see from there. Okay, okay. <laughs> so are these like, because, you know, I'm, I'm picturing like, you know, I don't know, like, you know, we're not doing no corny, like, cultural sensitivity courses no. or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, I think that you have an expertise and can tap into expertise that could guide some um, educators that are from outside of the community 
on just being able to provide for our children and again that's, right. that's part of that's part of like the working with the system as a cuz whether whether we like it or not the children are disproportionately being taught by white women yep right like and again we we can't pull all of them out immediately so there has to be some reaching out to those who are willing to reach out and you know just because I think that and I, I think I've read somewhere that that disproportionate um, suspension and, 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 and kind of um, punitive type of um, action happens and correct me if I'm wrong a lot between the young boys and the white women teachers so the yes. young black boys and the white and there's just a disconnect obviously mm -hmm. um when we're talking about adhd and, and the hyperactivity and then what then gets you know placed in special ed and things of that nature and it's just you know my son doesn't like to sit still mm -hmm. you know what i mean my son yeah. is bored <laughs> and, and we have to like examine those things like a lot of it is um a lot of my work with even educators is just yo checking yourself mm. <laughs> sometimes it's simple mm. as that it's not even like you know doing all this extra no just check yourself check your mindset where are you coming mm. from with this where did you learn it a lot of the things that mm. educators do are just things that they were either done to them or things that they believe need to be done for certain children and they just, you know, approach it from that from that lens. So to me, it's like, yo, check yourself. Why are you doing that? Why? Mm. Why? Mm. <laughs> and, and and what's at the what's at the center of that? And that's why, again, like one of my things is, is love and liberation. It's not love as in, oh, I love you. No, it's like you have high expectations. You see them as a human. You you see them as a student with needs. Um, you're not there to save anybody. It's teaching and, and really wanting to elevate right mm. if you're only saying like sit still fold your hands look up be quiet why is it because you know is that that's for you not really for them is that is that you know considering their learning styles or is that considering you know um their potential and ability and and just their humanity not really if that's all you're doing so a lot of my work with teachers is just like you know checking your own self, checking your biases, examining practices, looking at best practices, um, interrogating the why of certain policies and um, even looking at curriculum and things like that. And so hmm. it just causes people to reflect and right, think right. sometimes just asking the questions. Um, and just also, you know, again, another part of it is catapulting our youth into the future. So what, what kinds of opportunities are you providing? Mm. What kinds of courses, what kinds of um, learning is it? Is it project-based? Is it like just the older stuff? Are you um, preparing them for a future that's, that's more digital? Like, you know, are you preparing them within STEM? Mm. Um, a lot of my work in education has been through STEM. And so a lot of that um, I like to think has helped to, you know, advance and move mm. us and, and, and look at possibilities for the future and things that, you know, jobs that haven't even been developed yet or don't ex even exist yet. Right. I mean, so, my, um, yeah, I've seen a practical um, example of that in, in, in my little man. And he's at a very expensive private school. And I'm going to ask you about that in a sec. Um, but I still see there's this, he was working on, I think like a history project or something last year. And I was helping him with this history project and he has like these flashcards. So he's running off these, you know, these dates and these definitions and he's, he's running through them. And all I did was take them and put them in a different order. Mm. And when I started asking him in a different order, he's completely thrown off. Mm. And, you know, I'm I'm saying to him like, you know, I mean, you know, I I I went to um, K through eight 
um, shout out to Ebenezer Preparatory School, um, Pastor and Mrs. Marshall, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. in, in East Flatbush, Brooklyn. So I had a very, you know, Caribbean um, <laughs> first eight to nine years of, uh, of, of school. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the main thing, and then even before that, I went to pre-K at um, Huru Sasa Freedom School Shule in oh. um, Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Um, and that was founded and ran by a community organization called The East. And there's a dope documentary I'm trying to track down on the East. Oh, wow. The critical thinking that I received from the ages of three to five, mm. and then from like six to 12, mm-hmm. set me up to where I am today. Mm-hmm. I literally checked out of high school and college. I didn't learn a damn thing <laughs> in high school and college everything that i'm carrying with me today is yeah. really like preschool through eighth grade mm-hmm. because we learn to problem solve yes you know um and so sometimes when i find myself you know doing stuff with little men and i'm asking them like well you know i'm trying to give them practical mm-hmm. use case for these and it's like Dude, what's the what did they tell me to memorize? Uh-huh. And and I'm like, yeah, but it's the you know this this more than we pay for temple. Like, right, right, right. Wow. But it's like you're still learning the same way. Uh-huh. Like, here's a bunch of terms, memorize them, say them back, get a passing grade. Yep keep yep. it pushing yep it's like transactional no like, actual application for right. this in real life in real time and besides the fact that that's just antiquated and just a trash way mm-hmm. of of teaching mm-hmm. and, and setting up an education system we specifically don't learn that way right you right. know and so you know a lot of the kids check out. So when you talk about that digital divide and, and, and all these missing kids and these kids that didn't show up, you know, if they're at home, they're not turning that laptop mm-hmm. on. No. <laughs> because and, they're and, not forced and, to be right. in a building anymore. Right. It's like, I'm not. And that's the thing too. Like when, when we, when schools continue to like teach as if it were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40, you know, a hundred a hundred years ago which (laughs) the classroom is the same setup basically right in most places Mm -hmm. um the kids can like teachers are no longer and they never really always happen but they're no longer just the keepers of information what Mm, you spend a week two weeks trying to trying to teach a student (laughs) that's it they can google that in 20 seconds yeah they can look up you know youtube google whatever that information like this so that critical thinking piece is key yeah. The problem solving, the creativity, that's key. And if we're not, you know, creating opportunities for that within schools or home for learning, then, you know, we're, you're just producing followers, basically, and consumers. Yeah, and I, I, me, I remember I remember as a child, like, never having the ability to say why. And I look at these kids now and why is... Like you, it has to make sense to them for That's some, right. you know what I mean? Like we That's just right. can't say do it because I told you so no. anymore. Like do it because I told you so just doesn't play no. like it did with, with us. No. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, now more than ever, I think that the engagement, the meeting them where they are is, is very very key. I wanted to ask because we're talking about administrators, we talked about the teachers themselves. Um, let's talk about parents. Uh, tell me some some must dos, a checklist for for parents who um, have their children in the system, in the school system. What are some of the the, the things that you say are essential for them to um, engage? with their school administration, with their teachers and advocate for their uh, children? 
Yeah. So, so one is just like, um, you know, stay involved, not just with like events in the school, but what's actually going on and don't be afraid to ask questions, right? Don't just take what the school's giving, what the teacher's giving as, you know, just accept it, but just ask questions, ask questions that, that you have, ask questions, um, about what they're learning and why and how it connects to other things, right? Because everything that they're learning should be connected to both them and connected to other learning. So, so ask questions about that. Ask how you can um, support what they're learning in school with things at home, right? Not just repeating what they're doing at school, but how can you actually like support it? So for example, if, you know, if they're learning about fractions, okay, how can you now take that, the concept of fractions and help them conceptually understand at home? How can you supplement? Um, and then in addition to the to, to supplement, just helping, like teaching your kids what they're not learning in school also. Mm. Because the schools are not going to teach everything. Um, they're not going to, you know, sometimes teach the full picture and know that the knowledge that you have, the knowledge that your family has, the knowledge from your community is also very valuable. Mm. It's not just what they're learning at school, but what you have to offer is valuable. I think sometimes, um, you know, there's some parents that can be or, or get a little bit intimidated thinking that, you know, what they're learning is not the same thing as they learned or not the same way, but know that everything, like sometimes simple things are things that, you know, kids remember and that help them later on in life. Simple lessons. Mm -hmm. Right now in schools, they're talking a lot about social emotional learning, right? To me at home, that that's something that, you know, can be taught at home, right? Mm -hmm. um, and not just left up to the school. I remember mm -hmm. like my grandmother who um, learned to read with me when I was five, learning how to read and four, learning how to read. She was learning how to read too. We we're learning how to read together. Right. She didn't pass, you know, because of opportunity and where she lived. She went up to like maybe fifth grade and even going up to fifth grade didn't have some of those opportunities. But she's right. one of the wisest persons that I know. Right. And she taught right. me a lot in terms of right. the social emotional learning and mathematics, numeracy, literacy, all of that. Right. So just knowing that, you know, as parents, as guardians, as loving family, like you do have, um, like what you do matters for your kids mm. Mm. and just don't and be think, afraid to ask questions of schools. And I think that, um, I'll add to that, you know, home is not just that traditional, you know, everyone who lives inside those four walls, you know what I mean? And, and so the salute to you and the work that you do is expanding that home. Um, because listen, some of us have real issues. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we're just not capable of being that for our, you know, our seeds, you know, our direct children, mm -hmm. but there are those of us in the community and the, or there needs to be those of us in the community who, who are that provide, you know, that, Hey, look, I maybe don't, I don't have a positive male, you know, role model in the household, but I can find drama. I can find, you know, and he's got a program going. And, and so I think that's the work that those of us who, you know, are on this side of things have to be doing. It's essential that we work together. It's essential that, um, you know, we all kind of bring our brick, so to speak. That's right. You know what I mean? And, 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 and we build. So, that's it. you know, salute to you. And the work you're doing, that's why it was essential for me to bring you on here to um, acknowledge, to um, let folks know what's going on. Um, I, You know, my brand and, and the sponsor of this podcast, The People Versus the Anti-People, is it's the people for a reason. 
Yeah. Right. It's not it's not my brand. It's not my movement. It's the people's movement. I you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hesitate to even jump out there sometimes and say, well, like I'm the people versus the anti people because it's it's not about that. It's really about bridging those gaps, mm-hmm. shining those lights, bringing folks like you who are on the front line and making my little audience or my little um, network aware that there is a Shauna Brown out here. There's a teach for the culture out here. She's advocating across the board for uh, emancipation mm-hmm. <laughs> from, um, you know, this, 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 this school system, this education system who is really, it's set up for the privileged and mm-hmm. it's not even doing the privileged any justice really because you know it's it's ass backwards mm-hmm. so <laughs> I, i'm gonna let i'm gonna let you get the last word that's it no i was just gonna i mean really quickly <laughs> I, I love everything you just said and really quick i just want to add to the the parent piece really quick the other thing sure. piece of advice really quickly is just expose your kids to different things especially things that they're not offering within the school system because kids just like we are multi-dimensional uh, and everyone has gifts and talents and oftentimes those things are not caught in schools those things are not really nurtured in schools or cultivated so just expose your kids to you know a, a wide variety of, of things outside of school as well as much as you can mm. you know mm. um question mm-hmm. another another question for we if you have the means what and if you feel like you want to have an answer if you have an answer if if one had the means it's two part question what would you say is the best route to go you're talking charter schools on finding the right private school home school where would you go if you have the means? If 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 nothing, if I could pull my kid today and send them wherever, would so, you say? I'm not even gonna say it's not gonna be public, charter, private. It's gonna be in a space that is gonna treat your child as a human, mm. and that also is gonna censor love in there also. Meaning mm-hmm. like love is accountability. Love is high expectations. Love is exposing. Love is wanting the best education opportunity possible. And not all spaces offer that. There's mm-hmm. like some of the best schools. Um, and especially for our children going into those spaces, sometimes it's toxic for them. They might have mm-hmm. the highest ratings, but they might stress them out. They might right. not see them as equal. They might right. not, you know, pour into them as they may be poured into in a different space. They, they may not offer ex, um, op- opportunities for like critical thinking and problem solving, et cetera. So it's really, for me, it's not even just about like private, public homeschool. It's about like the space that's really going to nurture them. Mm-hmm. And so finding that sometimes is hard. <laughs> um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's an ongoing process. Like you, you want them to be nurtured and seen, right? Like there's schools that the state is paying millions of dollars for and saying, oh, you know, these are, it's a, it's a, it's a um, magnet school. It's this, send your kids here. It's a better opportunity. And they go there and um, Dr. Bettina Loves calls it spirit murdering. Like they go mm. there feeling like they're whole and human and they come out defeated. Yeah. So just a yeah. space that centers love and is going to nurture your child. I don't care what kind of school it is, homeschool, mm-hmm. traditional, whatever. As long as that space, um, you know, treats your child well and they get a top level education at the same time and don't come mm-hmm. out feeling defeated, deflated, unseen, and like their spirit has been murdered. I like that. How can we set up a, um, and if one exists, please let me know. How can we set up like, a grading system for these institutions where we can on those pillars on the things that you said how can we start um pinpointing what schools are are not doing 
the work and which ones are so that um, our parents can kind of, you know, yeah. sign me up, sign me up for that. I'm <laughs> on, I'm, Again, I think, you know, it, it takes community and, and looking at um, it's going to be people from different areas, different levels, different um, backgrounds, not just, you know, mm-hmm. I'm talking about like socioeconomic and just and just everything. Um, and, and really looking at what we need, what we want. Students voice has to be at the center of that to me, too. A lot of times yeah. we overlook what the students are feeling and saying. But to me, like they are the they're almost on point every time with how they're assessing situations, how they're assessing teachers, how they're assessing the school. They're almost on point every time because they are sitting there all day long and experiencing it as a student. So it's having them as well. I'm totally with you. And so, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, well, how would I know? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Because I'm not attending the school. Mm -hmm. So I can go, I can research this school. I can sit down with administrators they can take me around and show me the the, the, mm. the the campus and it's the greatest thing. And I won't know that my kid is being harmed mm. until my kid is harmed. And yeah. if it's subtle, yeah, I won't even know. Right. And so I think that, yeah, I think those of us who from your side and from, 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 from your movement who understand and can tap in, I do think that, yeah, we need to, you know, grade some of these institutions. Oh, ooh, and, totally and, agree. And, yeah, not Listen. on test scores. Yeah, exactly. On, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you just tapped yeah. into something because, you know, sometimes I work with individual schools on it, but we need, like you said, like across the board, a handbook, a yeah, way to like, yes. And and the thing yeah. is, with um in the digital age, anything is possible. Like yeah. it's an idea. All right. Now we got the technology to support it. You can make it happen. They're like they have, they have Yelp online. They have all these other things online, but we need something for us that serves this purpose. So yeah. that's your million dollar right. idea right there, Trump. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. We'll take that offline. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, final words. Um, Just thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you for, um, you know, invited me on and to talk about education. A lot of times um, it's it's not often, the, the questions are not often asked. Like the questions you asked this evening, a lot of times are not asked for a community or, you know, mm-hmm. from the community. So I think we need to keep having these conversations. And I'm I bringing you, you back. No question. So. <laughs> We're gonna track down. We're gonna track down <laughs> Dr. Emden, and we're gonna Ooh, bring. We're yes. gonna bring you back. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, for sure. For so sure. that's you know, sure. just, just thank you for allowing me the opportunity to just come on and share some of my own experiences. And um, you know, I'm grateful for your platform and and the work that you're doing and elevating the voices, like you said, for the people. And so I'm appreciative of that, appreciative of you and and your time this evening. So just want to say thank you. Oh no, it's it's an honor. Um, you know, I'm I'm proud of you. Thank you. Uh for real and, and and no i'm definitely we're gonna have you back you're you're my um my education correspondent there we you know go I mean? from that <laughs> world. there you go um where can they find you i'm assuming teach for the right, culture. Yeah, com. instagram teach- i'm at yep um teach for the culture.com it's on instagram at teach for the culture and then i mentioned culture university earlier so that's also instagram it's at culture.university mm-hmm. um and yeah, those are I think the, the two best ways for right now. So, I'm loving you taking bookings. Can they book you? Are you doing speaking engagements? What's, what's I going on? I actually independent now. Now that I have, now that I have like moved away from you know outside the system, I'm I'm doing more. I'm looking to connect yeah. more on different levels. So community levels, um, colleges and universities. Mm. I'm looking to to come out to more schools now that you know travels opened up a little bit more and stuff like that. So. Yeah, and, I'm, okay. and my email is teachfortheculture at gmail.com. You can reach me there, DM, website, all of that. Cool. Wonderful. Shauna, SB, my homie. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, thanks for being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for being <laughs> a, um, a, a, a guest on Major Journalism. Um, Next time I see you, see, we got to do a, we need another Bones tournament, man. I need yes. to, you know, I need to. I need to 
bust out the bones throwback. and six that's love somebody, throwback. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. even as you say that, that's math right there. Like, Facts. that's the other part. That, that's mathematics Facts. on a different level, Facts. you know, applied and Facts. stuff like that Facts. just keeps you just keeps you sharp, you know? Yeah, so yeah, indeed. You just have to look indeed. at education in different ways and not just paper, pencil, worksheet. Like, that is math indeed. right there. Indeed, indeed. Well, bless up, Mrs. String. Bless you know? up, bless up. And uh, <laughs> we'll connect again soon. Yes. All right, y'all. Thank you. Major journalism, David Trom Diggs Shanks, Shona Brown, Teach for the Culture, the People versus Anti People. Look for that uh, teacher. Great. We ain't, we ain't name it yet, but look for that coming soon. Peace and love, y'all. <laughs>